Good morning. My name is Sarah Basehart and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm a member of your Board of Trustees and it's my pleasure to welcome you to worship at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their land that we reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty, minister, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Much appreciation goes out to the many lay leaders and volunteers whose incredible efforts and dedication help to keep us connected. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whoever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guests joining worship this morning. We encourage you to fill out the visitors form in the lobby or online and connect with others in the virtual or in-person social hour after the service so that we may meet and welcome you. Finally, for those attending worship in our sanctuary at the Owen Brown Interfaith Center this morning, please take a moment to silence your cell phones and other electronic devices. There are many announcements today. Join, the, join UU The Vote team member Lori Alderman today at 1145 in room 213 or via Zoom for a moderated discussion with our own UUCC public school parents and neighbors who are active in our school system. We'll discuss the candidates' voting records, support for or lack thereof during last year's redistricting efforts for equity, and plans for the support and retention of strong teachers. Are you a newcomer that's looking to get more involved with others? Are you interested in learning more about UUCC and Unitarian Universalism? Join staff member Sarah Davidson and other staff and congregates for a six-week drop-in style newcomer class series beginning today at 11.30 in room 150 downstairs. Today we'll explore what spiritual community is and means to us. Sign-ups for reflection groups are now open through October 31st. These groups offer the opportunity to grow your faith intentionally and develop meaningful relationship with others while exploring the monthly worship theme. You'll join a group of 8 to 12 participants, including a trained facilitator, for monthly sessions for two hours each time. All adults and teens in our community are invited and encouraged to participate. And finally, a reminder that the auction team continues to gratefully accept your donation for this year's auction set for Saturday, November 12th. Visit the auction webpage to submit your donation and view the donor guide. And now an announcement from UUCC member Carol Zyka. Good morning. UUCC is hosting adult owl training, the Our Whole Lives Sexuality Curriculum, next weekend, beginning Friday. Volunteers are needed for airport runs, pickup of pre-ordered meals and delivery to OBIC, meal setup and cleanup, and special treats for desserts and snacks. Meals will start Friday evening and include breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Saturday and breakfast and lunch on Sunday. I went through this intense training when UUCC hosted it a few years ago 
and having breaks with tasty meals and yummy desserts was extremely welcoming and gratefully received. As well, camaraderie is built when people break bread together. To sign up to help, please scan the QR code behind me. Ah, it's there. Magicians in the back. Or use the link in the most recent tapestry newsletter. And now, Tegan Vero McLaughlin will offer our final announcement of the morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Tegan McLaughlin, and my pronouns are she and her. Next Sunday is a very important day. As I'm sure all of you know, it is, say it with me, National Custodian Appreciation Day. In honor of, in honor of this day and our amazing custodial staff uh, here at OBIC, YRUU has made a banner that we will be hanging up next week to show our appreciation. It will be out at, the, at a table during coffee hour today, and we will have pens so you can sign it or write a note of thanks to our custodial staff. Our custodians work so hard and are here all days of the week, not just Sunday, to take care of all the people and events that use this space. So I highly encourage all of you to go after service to sign this banner, even if you just write your name down. Thank you, and I look forward to seeing all of you at coffee hour today. Good morning, everyone. My laptop is having technical difficulties, so always the backup. <laughs> um, thank you, Michael. Thank you, choir, for starting us off beautifully, and Sarah and Carol and Tegan for the announcements. My name is Robin Slaw. I'm your director of religious education. I use the pronouns she, her, and I am so pleased to be here with all of you this morning. Welcome. So our minister, Paige Getty, is on pilgrimage in Italy this week. I have a couple logistical things to start at the beginning of the service. Your order of service is available online where you found the link to get to this worship service if you're online, or you can use the QR code behind me. And if you're a visitor, please do fill out our visitor forms because we like to stay in touch with you and we'd like to be able to do that, so fill out the form. We have personal joys and sorrows spoken aloud on your behalf, and if you would like to have one read about you or for you, there's a book in the back of the sanctuary, or you can send a message to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net. 
Many thanks to the people who are contributing to the service today, the staff, including Kelly and Michael. Yay, the choir is back! Yes! Our amazing tech crew in the back who come through every time, even with last minute details, and our hospitality crew. We could not do this Sunday morning deal without all of you. So Larry Osborne, in a book titled Sticky Teams, writes about ministry plumb lines. He started creating them as a way to quickly and accurately convey the, value, the values and priorities he wanted staff and members to keep in mind as they made decisions. Like a Mason's plumb line, trying to keep it even and straight, the ministry plumb line helps us keep our ministries in line with our core values as Unitarian Universalists. They're sort of like proverbs. They're short, pithy statements that are clearly and concisely saying what we value. Today, we'll use the ministry plumb line of belonging, becoming, and beyond to talk about my beliefs of what Unitarian Universalism calls us to be, what we are called by our theology to do. And this is my invitation to all of you. So as we prepare to worship together, will you all please settle in comfortably, take a deep breath, and hear the ringing of the bell. want to light the chalice today? I didn't see any children before I came in. Helena, are you over there? Would you like to light the chalice? Our words for the chalice lighting today are by Kimberly Ann Tomzak Carlson. It is not by chance that you arrived here today. You have been looking for something larger than yourselves. Inside of you, there is a yearning, a calling, a hope for more. A desire for a place of belonging and caring. Through your struggles, someone nurtured you into being, instilling a belief in a shared purpose, a common yet precious resource that belongs to all of us when we share. And so, you begin seeking a beloved community, a people that does not put fences around love, a community that holds its arms open to possibilities of love, a heart home to nourish our soul and share our gifts. Welcome here. Welcome to worship. Will you all rise, please, in body or spirit, and I invite you to join me in reading our Congregational Covenant 
the promise we make to each other as a religious community. And after we speak these words, I invite you to greet your neighbors and welcome them to this place of love and nourishment. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community, to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit of the world and of humankind. Will you turn and say hello to each other, please? I'm not sure what uh, Christian made it. Good for her. I know what I'm doing. Our family is best for our family. And to choose to listen to me and to trust me. Okay, Helena, you're back up again. So we have a practice in our congregation. It's a custom where one can publicly and openly share a significant, meaningful event that has deeply touched our lives. Come on up. Come on up. As I read the joys and sorrows, we'll listen deeply and lovingly. And we are made mindful of the sacredness of the ritual when we cast a stone in a bowl of communal water. The ripples it forms symbolize how our lives touch one another. During the music meditation, those of you who are in the sanctuary may come and drop a stone silently in the bowl of water for all those joys and sorrows that are too tender to share. This morning, Bob Jackson shares a stone of gratitude as a follow-on from last week when he announced his bicycle fall, which led to a broken collarbone, etc. Following that announcement, he received numerous calls expressing concern and offering help. He has a surgery date this Thursday, the 29th, and have a Howard County couple who will be a presence during his surgery and will let him remain overnight in their home. Thanks to the village of people from UUCC and his Riderwood community who offered their support. His needs through surgery date are satisfied and he says thanks, he feels very loved. Sherry Peruzzi tells us that it's with great sorrow that she is sharing the unexpected death of her brother Marty, the last member of her family except her daughter. He lived in Arkansas 
and his local friends knew he was dying, but no one contacted Sherry till he was gone. I'm sorry. One more stone, if you will, please, Helena, for the joys and sorrows that remain unspoken. This prayer is by Reverend Gretchen Halley. For this one moment, know only that you are loved, that you are safe and whole and loved. Know that you belong here among us, here upon this earth, in your body, however tired or broken your heart may be. Whatever fear, disappointment, anger you carry. For this hour, know that you are not alone. Feel the presence of others surrounding you, breathing beside you and with you discovering together the way our voices rise and fall together in harmony, in hope. Claim here a resilient freedom, a choice for love, for light, to live with joy and gratitude and praise as a form of resistance. Please join me for a few moments of silence and recognition of the joys and sorrows both shared and felt in our hearts. Amen and blessed be.
Good morning. My name is Kelly Daniker. My pronouns are she and hers, and it is my joy to serve as the Religious Education Assistant at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. So I have some helpers that are going to come up, and if there are any kids who want to come up, I have a little something for you this morning if you're interested. So come on down. <laughs> So if you were a child in the 70s, like I was, there were certain items that you more than likely owned. Tube socks, a skateboard, a slinky, and a pet rock. So I have a pet rock for each of you this morning. Here's your new pet rock, pet rock for you. Pet rock, pet rock for you, pet rock. Pet rock? Pet rock? <laughs> All right. So give your new pet rock a little pat on the head. Make them feel welcome into your world. Right? Anyone thought of a name for their pet rock? Anyone have a name yet? You might. What do you think? What's the name? Rock is an excellent name for a pet rock. I mean, say that again? The Rock Dwayne Johnson is spectacular. What's the name of your rock? Bob, Bob the Rock is utterly perfect. <laughs> so when I was a kid, the pet rock actually came with an instruction manual called the care and training of your pet rock. Luckily, I was able to find the actual manual online so that I can get you started training your new pet rock. So if you guys want to come stand and come stand up in this area, we're going to do a training session with your pet rock. Now, section one is simple obedience. We want to teach our rock the command, come. So I want you to place your rocks a few steps, maybe down in this area. Yep, come on down. And then go back to where you were, place your rock where you were, and head back. Now, you're going to look at your rock and you're going to say, come on, come on, here rock, ready? Come here rock. Now, take a few steps towards your rock, and you will notice that your rock is indeed coming closer to you. <laughs> this means that your pet rock is learning the command. Praise your rock. Maybe give them a pat on the head. Go ahead, praise your rock. Excellent. All right, head back. We're going to do one more command. All right. Back to where you were. The next command is stay. <laughs> Look at your rock intently like you mean business and give the command stay. <laughs> Amazingly, most rocks have no difficulty learning and responding to this command the first time they hear it. You guys can come have a seat. The manual goes on to instruct you to teach your pet rock to heal, to play dead, and to roll over. Best done on the side of a hill. <laughs> As kids, we attach to stuffed animals or to blankets or to pet rocks, and we come to care about these objects deeply. We love them. We nurture them. We come to depend on them. Why? Why do we connect with these objects? Because in connecting with them, we get to experience the very best parts of ourselves. In caring for them, we get to experience the purely nurturing, purely loving part of us 
that is the essence of our humanity. Pet rocks will never come when called or roll down a hill, but through the experience of caring about them, we become more loving, more authentically ourselves, more deeply human. Our experience with these objects gives us a sense of belonging to something bigger than ourselves. And they remind us that our true purpose lies in the connections that we create. So I think that the closing paragraph of the Pet Rock Owner's Manual says it best. As the owner of your pet rock, you have assumed a responsibility to love and care for this new addition to your family. If your rock should misbehave, be patient. If it should cause you problems, be forgiving. Under no circumstance should you turn your pet rock loose. The world is always already overcrowded with discarded, unwanted rocks. Don't allow your pet rock to meet an untimely demise at the bottom of an obscure pile of rubble. Remember, if you take care of your pet rock, it will take care of you. Have a good morning. Come on, a great job, you guys. Thank you, Kelly. Take care of those rocks, everybody. We have a tradition of collecting a voluntary offering during our service. And you may text your contributions or follow the instructions on the screen behind me or place a check or cash in the basket at the back of the room. And your offerings are freely given and gratefully received.
Thank you, Michael. At the 2022 General Assembly, which is our denominational gathering where we set goals for the denomination and elect board members, and sometimes adjust our bylaws, we were treated to some profound words on our seven principles. And one speaker, an amazing young adult who is on the Article II team leading the discussion about the revisioning of our uh, principles in our second article, spoke about the plumb lines that she learned at her church as a child. Her plumb line words were, listen, open, serve. She remembered them and she lived by them because they were easy to remember, meaningful, and they helped her, they helped guide her in her everyday life. So I always enjoy a challenge of trying to name my beliefs succinctly and concisely. But today I'm using three descriptive words that I found on a website for a consulting group, sacred design, and they pull their inspiration from religious traditions and their guiding principles are these, belonging, becoming, beyond. I love these ideas deeply and I'm inspired by them and how we might apply them to our religious lives. And I know that some of you here might be cringing by my use of religious lives and yet I wanna be intentional about it because if we truly believe that Unitarian Universalism is where we belong, if you use are the people we want to be with, then we must acknowledge our religious values and that those values call us to be people who live our values out in the world, not just here in the sanctuary on Sunday morning. So let's talk about belonging. Recently, it seems that many of the groups that I have participated in have asked as a discussion question, where have you most felt as though you belong? Brene Brown says the opposite of belonging is fitting in. She claims that research tells us that fitting in means we assess and then we acclimate. We change ourselves to fit in. To fit in, we wear the right clothing, we speak correctly, we behave as expected. True belonging, according to Brown, is when we first belong to ourselves, when we never betray ourselves for other people. It never requires us to change ourselves. It requires us to be who we are. And Adrienne Marie Brown says that if we are to cultivate belonging, we want to be an invitation, a sanctuary, a space that can hold and grow the future. And she continues, community is a place to practice and participate in care, attention, knowing and being known and being protected, having room to make mistakes and still belong not just allowed to be there, but to be valued, to heal, to recover. Community 
feels responsible for each other. Community is a choice. More precisely, community is an accumulation of choices made every day, a set of growing practices. It's been a tough two and a half years, thank you COVID, where it felt challenging beyond our ability to maintain a community. And our society seems more divided by extremism than ever before. So how will we find and maintain community? How will we find places where we belong? The Sacred Design website says that belonging is not a passive state. It's something we nurture, express, renew, savor, and pass down. So much in our culture works against us. Meeting our needs for deep connection is challenging today to ourselves, to other people, to places and stories and times. The more we, we reclaim our power of knowing, loving, and caring for one another, the more our hearts open and our society heals. When I think about the places where I feel that sense of belonging, they are places or people who listen deeply, who accept me for who I am, who show me they care in a multitude of ways. And when I'm in those spaces with those people with whom I belong, I can let go of my fear and open to new possibilities, new ideas, new ways of being in the world that are healing and loving. So what about you? Where are those spaces for you? And what happens in those spaces that allows you to feel like you belong? Would you turn to your neighbors and share something of where you belong? And if you're joining us virtually, the tech crew will be unmuting you so you can speak with each other or share in the chat. And then Michael and the choir will call us together again by starting hymn number 1008, when our heart is in a holy place. So. Where have you most deeply felt you belong? Okay, Tara Edwin, I hope you find peace. 
feel it anymore. I hope you find peace, Curdwin. Curdwin. Yeah. All right. Cut it off. He's just a member. They're just making it possible for people here to talk to each other. Because everybody in the congregation is up talking to each other. True. taking a class in global spiritual traditions and we're nearing the end of a unit on Judaism and I was reminded of the story of tikkun olam it's the Hebrew phrase for healing the world in that story God created the world and wanted to paint all of creation with a special light that she had collected but she dropped the jar and the light shattered and went all over. And now we humans are called to find the shards of light. And when we search and find and bring together the shards of light, we find hope 
for the world to become one. And on the Sacred Design website, becoming, which is our second plumb line word, becoming means listening for where we are needed, addressing what stands in the way of our shared growth and cultivating each other's courage to say yes to the soul's call. Even before I found Unitarian Universalism as a young parent searching for a place where my children could counter the religious pressures that they were receiving from their grandmother, I tried to live a life that would make the world a little better. One of those ways was in my radical environmentalism. I read Silent Spring by Rachel Carson in high school and I worked to convince my father that spraying clouds of pesticides it to rid our property of mosquitoes was bad for us, bad for the fish in our creek, bad for the environment. As I grew into adulthood, I harassed friends when they dropped cigarette butts out the window and chased them down when they dropped trash in the street. I began shopping in health food stores and tried to eat only food that was grown or raised in non-destructive ways. I was probably pretty annoying in my initial attempts to save the planet, but at least my friends stopped littering and I did convince my dad to stop spraying pesticides. In part, I could help make a difference because I felt belonging in those spaces, my family and my friends. I was able to feel brave enough to say yes to a calling. Brene Brown in an interview with Krista Tippett said, hope is a cognitive behavioral process that we learn when we experience adversity, when we have relationships that are trustworthy, when people have faith in our ability to get out of a jam. I could, and sometimes do, become completely cynical about the way the world becomes more adverse to the values that I believe in. Women's reproductive rights have been shattered this summer. Children are prevented from becoming the people they know they are by the laws against LGBTQ expression. And right here in Howard County, the school board race appears to have, have become a referendum on restricting people from material that might save their lives. Parker Palmer asks, how can I live an undivided life to show up with my identity intact, to refuse to collaborate with anything that diminishes me? As I manifest my core values, I will suffer some kind of punishment, some sort of marginalization. Love gets resisted. We need to understand that as loving people. We must come to the realization that no punishment can be greater than us conspiring in our own diminishment. So my challenge, and perhaps yours too, is to resist the cynicism and find ways to continue my work to build a better world. I find opportunities to make a difference, even if they're small and only make a difference for one person or even just for one butterfly. I'm planting native plants in my backyard to make life easier for pollinators. 
And my tomatoes and cucumbers have been amazing this summer. One of the ways I have chosen to make a difference in the life of one individual is to become a CASA. CASA is an acronym for Court Appointed Special Advocate. I have a friend that did this work for years and I was intrigued by what she told me. And when one of my daughters was looking for something to do to make a difference, we decided together to investigate this option and we went through training with Howard County's Voices for Children to become CASAs. For the last two years, I've been working with a young adolescent who is a child in need of assistance. So she's in the foster system. She suffered abuse as a child. We don't know yet what or how much. And her trauma has contributed to behavior that forced her family to seek extra help. My CASA child has been in and out of behavioral units in several hospitals, residential treatment centers, and therapeutic group homes. She's gone from being unable to control her feelings and violent outbursts to understanding and building resilience and the strength to walk away from conflict. So because I don't bring conflict into our life, I've only experienced my CASA child as loving and funny and capable of great joy. And right now, I am the only person in continuous loving presence in her life. I'm so proud of the work that this child has done. Her attempts to walk away from conflict, to avoid arguments. Her goals are to go to college and, be, and study poetry and be reunited with her family. She has plenty of work to do to overcome her early trauma. I intend to stay with her on this journey until she's an adult and able to be successful in the larger world. Maria Popova says, don't just resist cynicism. Fight it actively in yourself, in those you love, and in the communication with which you shape culture. Cynicism, like all destruction, is easy. It's lazy. There's nothing more difficult yet more gratifying in our society than living with sincere, active, constructive hope for the human spirit. This is the most potent antidote to cynicism, and it is today an act of courage and resistance. So would you turn again to your neighbors and share with them the ways in which you actively fight cynicism and look for those pieces of light and work to build a better world? And then Michael and the choir will call us back together again to sing hymn number 1028, The Fire of Commitment. So what is your... Good morning, Evelyn Griffin. Hello. <laughs> been a long time since we said hello, my dear. It has been. <laughs> I've been thinking about you for some time, even though we don't have much lunch bunch anymore. And I'm glad to see you hanging in there. 
thank you. I enjoy coming on Sunday morning this way. I haven't yet uh, decided to join uh, in person. Okay. Right. Good to see you. Good to see you. (laughs) Stay in touch, please. Okay. My soul's call is to keep hope going, even at my 10th decade. I think I'm called, my soul is called to help open a door for someone to whom that door has been closed. And the End of the World by John Pokinghorn. Despite the strangeness, bitterness, and this of this present life, human beings frequently do not give way to despair. In the human heart, there is something that corresponds to the conviction expressed so powerfully by the great 14th century mystic, Mother Julian of Norwich, that in the end, all shall be Thanks well, what's your answer? and all manner of things shall be What's, my what, what's the question? I don't know. Like, how do we try to bring about change in the world? That kind of thing? I'm I'm just sort of drifting along and very much pulled by Kate's uh, email that you know, it's all this stuff. Oh. Oh, what is she? Uh, it, it looks like that whatever Brian is doing to my money is doing for us. Despite in the same way. Like he's, you do a wonderful job of that. Really Hello, Pat and Arthur. A lot of help. Mm-hmm. A lot of great help. Really? And I need to read it again. Okay. I'm trying to do the two things. But right. I can forward it to you. Of course. Well, if I do it right now. Is it email or text? It's, uh, you don't know. No. No, no, She sent it to you. But, uh, okay. I, I hope it's not email. Well, is it recent? Is it recent? This is a just new today. This this looks like what was came. It rehashes all of the stuff about the first few days, but it's all the stuff we read before.
fund. Cornell West reminds us that justice is what love looks like in public. That's my fuel for the work I do to try to build a better world. When I'm with my CASA child, she sometimes asks me after she's made a huge mistake that caused restrictions or lands her back in a behavioral unit in the hospital. Why are you still coming to see me? And that breaks my heart into a gazillion pieces. It's hard for me to imagine what kind of trauma must a child have gone through to cause her to ask why a person will still stay with her? It's hard for me to imagine because I was lucky enough to grow up with parents and extended family who loved me and showed me that love in so many ways. I knew I belonged, absolutely. I never had any doubt, not when I was punished for a rule infraction, not when I messed up so badly I had to wait for the dreaded, talk to your dad when he's home. <laughs> never a second's doubt, never. Not everyone is so lucky. There are multitudes of people in the world who do not have a sense of belonging, who are struggling, who don't receive justice. As Unitarian Universalists, this is what I always tell the kids, we are here, we are called to build a better world. We're called by our theology. We can find sanctuary here in this place with these people. We can build our resilience when we are loved and understand that we belong just as we are without needing to change ourselves to fit in. I hope we can remember this when our children are a little bit noisier than we prefer, or when people are passionate and speak out against injustice in a way that might feel too personal to us, or when decisions are made that we don't agree with. I want us to learn to see beyond to see what is larger than us, to see where the pain and hurt are, to build love publicly with our work for justice. When I'm hurting, it can feel almost impossible to not take things personally. When my CASA child tells me she's not been able to speak to a therapist for weeks and she's hurting and doesn't feel safe because of recent conversations that she's revealed past trauma, no therapist, I'm furious. I'm ready to burn it all down. I'm angry at bureaucracy, frustrated that I can't help more, enraged that we aren't taking better care of vulnerable people in this nation of wealth and privilege. So how do I go on? How do I remember that my work is to build justice and love in the world? Have you seen the photos coming from the James Webb Space Telescope? They are amazing. 
We're seeing the universe more clearly than it's ever been observed before. I am awed by the photos coming from the telescope and filled with wonder at the immensity of the universe, far beyond even what we suspected. Some of the photos and our slides behind me all day while morning have been from the Webb telescope. So I believe we need to feel and experience wonder and awe on a daily basis. Those experiences of wonder and awe are what bring me back from my cynicism, my frustration, my pain, my exhaustion. When I work with my friends who are fighting for reproductive justice and watch in despair as states topple one after another like dominoes and physicians retire early and find new careers, it would be easy to sink into cynicism, to believe that we'll never make a difference. We will never be able to overcome the resistance to necessary medical care for every person. How will we ever build a better world? The Sacred Design Group asks, when our soul is fed, we remember that we are bound up in something larger than ourselves, stretching across generations, ineffable yet as solid as the ground. This is the larger story of which we are a part. What would it take to create a rhythm of life in which we have the space in our days to feel fully big and fully small? How do we create pathways to move closer to the beyond, to the endlessly renewable resource at the heart of all things? In order to do the work of our soul's calling, we need community to nurture us. We need resilience to fight off despair and cynicism. We need to remember that we are bound up in something larger than ourselves. So my final question I will leave for you to discuss during coffee hour or maybe with your family all week this week. What fills you with awe or feeds your soul? And may we never forget that justice is what love looks like in public. May our souls always be fed. May we actively resist cynicism and may we find the places where we belong. Amen and blessed be. Really quickly, I just wanna say how happy and grateful I am to have the Chalice Choir back up on your chancel this morning. <laughs> and we will be here regularly, just like the pre-pandemic days. Hooray. We're attempting to build back our, our numbers, so if you might be interested in being part of the fellowship of our wonderful singing group, no time like the present to consider joining us. We'd love to have you. I'm going to be sharing details and anecdotes about upcoming music and services in the online tapestry that comes out every Friday, so be sure to be on the lookout for those notices. 
This past Friday, I mentioned that we'd be sharing a special anthem this morning that was written right after Hurricane Ivan struck the Panhandle region of the Gulf Coast in 2004. Of course, it's timely once again, as we're currently in the midst of an active hurricane season, which has already inflicted damage to Puerto Rico and Bermuda, and a new hurricane threatening the west coast of Florida. But mainly, I selected this anthem to accompany the themes of community and belonging in today's lovely service, and was thrilled that Robin agreed that the message of the anthem adequately summed up the message this morning, which is why we offer it to you today at the conclusion of the service. And thanks so much to Valerie for offering the beautiful flute obligato to accompany the anthem.
Thank you. That was beautiful and more perfect than Michael and I knew when he chose the music. Our benediction words are by Courtney Martin and Wendy McNaughton. This is your assignment. Feel all the things. Feel the hard things, the inexplicable things, the things that make you disavow humanity's capacity for redemption. Feel all the maddening paradoxes. Feel overwhelmed, crazy. Feel uncertain, feel angry. Feel afraid, feel powerless, feel frozen. And then focus, pick up your pen, pick up your paintbrush, pick up your damn chin, put your two calloused hands on the turntables, in the clay, on the strings, get behind the camera, look for that pinprick of light. Look for the truth. Yes, it is a thing. It still exists. Focus on that light. Enlarge it. Reveal the fierce urgency of now. Reveal how shattered we are, how capable of being repaired. But don't lament the break. Nothing new would be built if things were never broken. And a wise man once said, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Get after that light. This is your assignment. Amen and blessed be. Okay, this one's for Gabby. I am a 